Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. He is Des. And you are Marco. Yes, uh, we did it. We went in order this time. It only took us like 60 episodes. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. This will, I think, be not our last episode, but our next episode, we should hopefully be recording in person. So I'm super psyched about that. Yes, if uh, air transport in Europe is working and airports and all that, those things, which have not really been doing a great job lately. Technically speaking, I'm outside of Europe right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Politically, geographically or not. Speaking of plane travel, like, did you read the news about those two Ethiopian Airlines pilots that fell asleep and missed the landing? Like they went long. Super vaguely. It was one of those uh, sensationalist headlines. And I just read yeah. like the title and the bit underneath. But yeah, scary, huh? Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Hey, planes fly themselves. So whatever. First things first. What beer have you chosen for this episode? I didn't choose this beer. This beer was essentially gifted to me with specific instructions. Oh, it's an old beer. It's a classic beer. It's again a German beer. I've got a bit of a theme going. Yeah. This is from the Augustiner Brau from Munich, and it's a classical lager beer hell, a Helles type beer. Yes. And I have been specifically instructed to say that this is one of the pillars of the history of beer. Oh, wow. Wow. So the only thing I will tell you about this beer, because it's very well documented, is that it was established in 1328, and it is Munich's oldest independent brewery. That established date is a bit vague because that is the first, let's say, certified mention of the brewery from a document which was dated 1328. And in that document, it says that it was established in 1294, but that can't be verified. So the earliest verified mention is from 1328. So it's super old. Wow. What are you drinking? Well, now my beer feels very uninteresting (laughs) compared to yours. So I picked up a Belgian beer from the St. Bernardus Brewery, which I think I reviewed one of their beers uh, a while back. But anyway, this is a Belgian white ale and it's called the Tokyo. It's called the Tokyo because it was launched when this brewery opened like um, a bar in Tokyo. So here we go. All right, let's have our beers. Like usual, let's get started with the news. Recently, Samsung had their Unpacked event where they, to no one's surprise, unveiled their new line of foldable phones. So the Flip 3 and the Fold 3. Flip 4 and the Fold 4. Flip 4 and the Fold 4, or Flip 3 and Fold 3, if you're listening in 2021. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're just pretty much exactly the same as last year, except for slightly more refined designs, slightly changed hinges. The Flip 3, which was the, let's say, the flip phone, got slightly better battery, which was basically its Achilles heel last year. But yeah, not nothing, no major changes. It was more of an iterative. Yeah, it's definitely more refinement, not revolution. Yes, which Samsung can kind of get away with because there's no one else. Basically, like if you want the foldable, like Samsung is, I don't know, 90% of the offer nowadays. I was thinking about this the other day and it's kind of um, sad, really, 
that essentially there is only, I say, three mobile phone, let's say, makers at the moment. And I know that's not strictly true, but you've got Apple, yeah. you've got Samsung, and then you've got the Chinese ones, yeah, which share a lot. You know, the Xiaomi's, the Oppo's, you know, the big Chinese the OnePluses. tech yeah, companies. Yeah. And the only ones making foldables are Samsung and the Chinese companies you know, Motorola, uh, Xiaomi, as I mentioned, Oppo, they all have their foldables, but only Samsung sells worldwide. Yeah, I was reading a review the other day about the latest Motorola Razr, and that's not sold in the US for yeah. some reason, given that Motorola is, let's say, an American brand. It's owned by Lenovo, which is Chinese, but it's an American brand. Anyway, just better chips. It uses the latest Snapdragon, which is much more power efficient than the previous one which gives the flip a much better battery life. But other than that, I mean, every review kind of seems to agree on the fact that it's not really worth the upgrade because not much changes, except for the fact that it is worth the upgrade because Samsung has some insane, especially in the US, insane trade-in offers or like pre-order offers. So you trade in your old flip or fold and you get tons of money for it from Samsung and it kind of makes the upgrade worth it. I think one reviewer was saying that they traded the old flip for the new one and it was like $90. Yeah, I, I read that exact same scenario. You can trade in the flip free for the flip four for a hundred bucks and they also throw in the Galaxy Watch 5. Yeah, plus a bunch of um, like six months of Spotify, six months of HBO Max or something like that. Like there's a lot of goodies. Like Samsung makes it very appealing to trade in old phones for new ones. So if you've got, especially if you live in the US and you've got some sort of older hardware you want to trade in, it's very compelling to do so. You might remember that I craved and wanted the flip free and I caved <laughs> and I bought it. And I was left wanting because, as you said, the Achilles heel was the battery life of that model. Yeah, you said it wouldn't even get like halfway through the afternoon in your case. No, in my case, it was just not good enough. Yeah. The one thing which was, I, I suppose Samsung still has, is that you could limit the charge to 85% to protect the battery, which is great for a device over its lifetime. But if you were using it on a device like the Flip 3, it meant you did not reach mid-afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of yeah, so like not the point so the 20 percent or just short of 20 percent bump in battery life sounded really good and that's because the battery is a little bit bigger not quite 20 percent but also the efficiency of the new chip means that it just uses less energy yeah so i was tempted and as you said the trade-in deals are insanely good here in europe or in the uk i should say you can hand in any Android phone, so one you found on the floor, and they'll give you <laughs> 250 euros off. Pounds. Plus whatever the phone is worth. Well, it's 250 guaranteed or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's at least that. Yeah, because I tried configuring it with my S22 Ultra, and the offer was pretty good. I'm, I'm not really in the market for another phone <laughs> this year. But yeah, it's really compelling. Every year they get closer, like these phones get closer to being a phone you could actually buy, if you get what I mean. I didn't bite the bullet this time, and I am unlikely to. Okay. I watched the review from our good friend, Mr. Mobile, Michael Fisher. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> and um, 
he loves foldables. He's got a whole series called Into the Fold where he looks at all the various foldables which have been released in various formats, yeah. mobile, laptops, etc. And he did his review of his personal device that he bought, the Razer. And when it yeah. say was released, it was unfortunately a bit underwhelming when it came to performance. To Motorola and Lenovo's credit, it's actually been improved a lot since release. Yeah. He's also obviously followed his own personal devices, the Flip 3, and he's also got the Fold 4. His take-home message was that it has been improved. If you're buying it now for the first time, it's a much more safe proposition. Yeah. The thing which didn't convince him is that there's still a bit of wasted potential with the front screen. The, you know, the sort of, let's say, the notification yeah, screen. Yeah, because it's tiny and you can't do much with it. Yeah, so you can do more than you could with the Flip 3, but it's still yeah. quite limited. The Motorola, for comparison, even though it wasn't as good a phone, it allowed you to do more and it's constantly being improved to the point that he was really looking forward to the Razer 2 because they're actually abandoning, let's say, the more traditional Razer design and they're just making a new flip phone with that name. Mm. But they're not selling it in the US. But they're not selling it in the US. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of brings us back to the to the main point. On average, if you want to buy a foldable, you, you have to buy a Samsung because nothing else is available. And I think because of that, Samsung are taking advantage of this lack of competition. Like they haven't pushed the boat. They haven't modernized the design. They've essentially yeah. refined what they had. And I've had time with the Flip 4. I've actually had some time with it. And for example, oh. you mentioned that the hinge has been redesigned. I thought I wouldn't notice it, but I did. Hmm. So I remember when I had the Flip 3, the dent was quite prominent, but smaller. Yeah, you could feel the crease. You could feel it, you could see it. And I don't buy into people saying you you don't see it after a while. A bit like the hole punch camera, like you know how your mind erases it? Yeah. With the new one, I definitely felt that the, the hinge and the, let's say, the dent in the screen was much more subtle. And because it has a broader base, it's actually much like it's less intrusive on the finger. So when you're scrolling and stuff, you don't feel it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Talking a bit about the fold, which is honestly like the one that I would be more interested in because I have this fascination towards these phones that you can essentially run your entire life, both personal and work life. I saw a review about the, the fold for an Italian reviewer, Andrea Galeazzi, and he was saying it's an awesome phone. Like you can put two apps side by side it's got a new dock so it's very much kind of like a computer it's really great at what it does as in it's a workhorse but that's it as in he took it to the beach and it's just big and chunky and it's just too big but if like if you're in a specific customer like that does a lot of emails that does a lot of like working on the go so not with a with a laptop then it's perfect other than that it's it's a waste like there's other form factors that are much better i think it's worth mentioning that they're both still very expensive yes i know there's insane good deals but the fold for even after incentives here in europe is still over a thousand euros starting price yes i think the list price is like a thousand eight hundred dollars euro pounds whatever and the flip is a thousand yeah and the flip especially doesn't exactly have flagship specs. For example, the cameras are a couple of generations old. They got better, but they're not, let's say, iPhone 13 Pro level, or they're not even S22. 
no. uh, ultra level. So they're still cutting corners because they want to hit, I guess, the just below thousand price point. But they do that through cutting corners here and there. Anyway, pretty interesting because also they're the only ones doing that. There's rumors that pixels and iPhones will have uh, foldable versions as well, but they're not out yet, so Samsung is king. Just a mention of the Chinese competition, which actually looks really compelling. So we mentioned Motorola Razr 2, and the other one which I'm, was announced very shortly after Samsung's phone is the Xiaomi Mix Fold 2. For those who might remember, the Mix series is, let's say, Xiaomi's more experimental and cutting-edge line of phones. So they yeah. only use it for, let's say, the ultra premium devices, which they don't even yeah. release every year. It's only when they feel there is a phone worthy of that name. Both of these phones, they do something really cool is that they both fold completely flat, which is something that the Samsung doesn't do. Yeah, there's a little gap. There's a little gap. I don't know. I like the idea of a device which folds perfectly into not like a wedge. So it's yeah. a shame that these aren't coming to, well, definitely not to the US. There's still hope that the Razer 2 or the Mix Fold 2 might come to Europe, but no announcements as of yet. Yeah. In the same event, Samsung also presented the new versions of their watch. So the Watch 5, yeah. I believe, and the Watch 5 Pro, which is aimed at people with active lifestyles or people with a lot of money because it's like 500 bucks. The like new versions of uh, their earbuds or something like that, whatever. But the watches look okay. They look like the, the standard one looks pretty much exactly as last year. It's still running the latest version of Wear OS. And we're still waiting on all the other watches to do that. I think it's September. Google is meant to announce the Pixel Watch, which they've already teased. But uh, no news on that yet. From the reviews that I've looked at, the most important thing, which is, I don't know if it's an improvement or a, what's the opposite of improvement? Not improvement. And not improvement. <laughs> the rotating bezel, which was one of Samsung's unique selling points, is not present on the current generation of watches. Yes, from the classic line. Yeah. So the classic line is gone and it's re replaced by the Pro. The Pro's selling point is meant to be 80 hours of battery life, which is insane in the smartwatch world. But no rotating bezel, which was a really cool feature. Yeah, it was. It was a nice way to navigate the, the UI. But whatever, never mind. I'm not particularly interested in none of those. Turning the page, I recently watched a movie, which I believe you've watched as well, which is The House of Gucci, because I figured I might catch up on uh, dark Italian historical moments. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't know the story at all. First of all, I really enjoyed that the movie was set in like 1970s, 80s and 90s Milan. Yeah, especially the 90s. It was like very familiar. So familiar. And the locations were, you know, familiar to us because like it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was one thing that I, I don't know, continuity error, if you want to call it that. I don't even know. But the Duomo, like there's a scene in the Duomo square. So the Duomo is like the main yeah. cathedral of Milan. And it's all like shiny white. And in the 80s and 90s, it was like black. Do you remember? Because <laughs> it was like, like because of all the smog, this whole cathedral yeah. is made of marble. And only recently, I think like early 2000s, they've actually started cleaning it properly and keeping it clean. 
Yeah, they've put a, a coating on it. So before it used to be constantly cleaned. And the, by the time you finished cleaning it, it was dirty again. Yeah, because the, the, the thing is massive, obviously. It's like one of, the, I think, the third biggest cathedral in the world. And that's one thing that you can really tell if, if some footage is old by what color the Duomo is. But anyway, whatever. And, you know, like we were growing up in Milan in those years and I had no idea. Like, I did not know the story at all. If you're not familiar with the story, the yes, Gucci please. brand used to belong to the family with the same name, the Gucci family, which is a very extensive family. Several people were involved with the business from the designing, the manufacturing, etc., etc., etc. And the owner of the Gucci or largest shareholder, Maurizio Gucci, who the film, let's say, focuses on, was murdered on his doorsteps. Played by Adam Driver. The movie basically looks at the events leading up to his murder, especially looking at his wife ex-wife, should I say, who was eventually convicted for his murder. Now, one thing I don't think the movie did very well was that you knew immediately who was guilty from the word go. Okay, but you can argue that it's a real story. So it's not about finding out who the murderer is. It's like, you know who it was. But I remember distinctly when I was like living through these events, that yeah. initially she was not even, I say she wasn't even a suspect. She was obviously interviewed, etc., etc., etc. But yeah, because I think the trial was like, or the verdict was a couple of years after the murder. Yeah. And, you know, there was basically revelation after revelation after revelation because she hired some um, hitmen to kill him. And so first they had yeah. to find the hitmen. Then they started spilling the beans to the police. And obviously she denied it. And so then they found this and then they found that. So the story was much more interesting in real life because we had to work backwards. Whereas in this one, it's all given to you on a platter. And I think that mystery mm. was kind of lost. I don't know. I think maybe it plays on the fact that people know the story. Although I didn't, for example. You mentioned Maurizio Gucci. So the heir to the throne of the, of the Gucci empire, played by Adam Driver. And his controversial gold digger of a wife, Patrizia Reggiani played by Lady Gaga. But the rest of the cast is insane. There's Salma Hayek, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons. The film is directed by Ridley Scott. The cast and the, the people who work on it are like world class. And like you said, it follows the story of how Maurizio Gucci, who is studying to be a lawyer, is generally uninterested in the family business, meets and marries this woman, Patrizia. And she kind of guides him into like, no, you got to take over. You got to be your own man. Like she supports him in a takeover of the house of Gucci, like the fashion house, which its popularity is going down. And there's other fashion houses that are much more in vogue in those days. It takes, I think it takes a lot of creative freedoms, as in the story isn't exactly how it was in real life. So for instance, they have two daughters, but they only mention one in the movie. The Gucci family is narrowed down to, let's say, four elements. While in reality, it was a lot more, let's say, sons and a lot more potential heirs to the throne. It does nail a few things like the, the backstabbing and the going to jail of some family members and everything. And it kind of it gives the idea of what kind of woman this Patrizia is, because ultimately she's the protagonist. This movie was based on a book called The House of Gucci, a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour and greed. 
by Sarah Gay Forden. It was adapted for cinema by two people, one of which, may I say, Roberto Bentivegna, is, I don't want to say an old pal of mine because we weren't really friends, but we did play music together when we were children. So um, he was a bit older than me. And he used to play the saxophone. I have no idea if he still does, but that's my claim to fame. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of cool to see a name that you recognize. I mean, I I did go YouTube some videos to see interviews and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he comes across a little bit douchey, but I love you, man. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um... Yeah, and then, like, I don't know, if you live in Milan, Milan is a pretty small town. Like, there's always some level of gossip. Like, I, I know a lot of gossip about, like, football players in the late 90s and early noughties, let's say. They're, you always know someone who knows someone. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a pretty small city. Overall, I think it was all right. As in, the story was interesting, especially if you really don't know it. But then, for instance, I went and watched a couple of documentaries and they were more interesting. But I think it's all a bit dramatized. And there is one thing like it's an entertaining movie. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I was happy to watch it. Don't know if I would watch it again, but it's an entertaining movie. But there is just this one thing that really bothered me. The movie's in English, obviously, but they all speak in this very bad Italian accent. It's almost as bad as Luca, the film by Pixar. It's such a stereotype. Like, they don't just speak English and, let's say, pretend it's Italian. They speak English with a bad Italian accent. Yeah, that's the thing. Start a sentence in Italian, like, si, grazie, whatever, grazie per il caffè, and then they switch to English. Yeah, ciao, Maurizio. I want uh, the house of Gucci. Like, oh my God, it was so annoying because everyone speaks like that. And also, like, everyone speaks like that, but in different levels. So Lady Gaga goes full on, fake Italian accent. Adam Driver, a bit less. And then you have, like, Al Pacino, who speaks in his, like, Godfather language. Like, it's not, (laughs) it's really not, It. they could have avoided that. You know, for instance, you know what came to mind? The TV series Chernobyl. where everyone's Russian, but they all speak in a British accent. And it was a creative decision that they made. And it works for me, at least, because everyone like I would not want everyone to speak in a Russian accent because who cares? Like it's translated anyway. They could have easily done that. Like everyone could have just spoken in in their own accent and it would have had, I think, the same effect. Also, because the accent is bad. Like if I were to speak in an Italian accent, I would not speak like that. No, no, I agree. I remember watching, it's an old movie now. It was a movie with Harrison Ford about uh, a doomed Russian submarine during the Soviet Cold War. Hunt for Red October. I know. I think it was another one. I think it was called The Widowmaker, K-19 The Widowmaker or something like that. Okay. But anyway, they had the same issue and they decided to do exactly the same and they made everyone on board speak with a Russian accent. Yeah. And I don't know, it just looks like a caricature. Yeah. Apparently Lady Gaga is a method actress, so that means that they're in character for the whole time. And she apparently spoke in that (laughs) god-awful accent for months. Even in her personal life, I would have smacked her in the head, to be honest. (laughs) I think it's probably fair to say that this fake accent grates on us. 
because yeah obviously because we're italian and we're let's say a little bit more sensitive to it i think maybe like this is a, a thing that bothered me at yeah. least let's say so, i i probably wouldn't bother the average you the listener by the way eight percent of which are from italy so eight percent of our <laughs> listeners might not enjoy this <laughs> yeah but i think everyone else will fi- find it okay Yes, exactly. Like, I, I think it was fine because apparently like they put a ton of work into their accents and, you know, they got ac- uh, like accent coaches. But still, like it was I, I really found it annoying. But anyway, the movie, the movie is fine. It's good. Like, go watch it, whatever. I, I found it funny because I, it came out in 2021. So last year, it's like on every list of best movies of 2021. But like five movies came out in 2021. (laughs) It was not a great year for movies. It's like the bar is really low for them. But anyway, there is I have one fun fact and then we can move on to to something else. One of the actresses in the movie, Salma Hayek, obviously like the very famous, I want to say Mexican. Yes, the very famous Mexican actress who plays a role in it. She is married to... Francois Ripinot, who currently owns Gucci. <laughs> so, you know, like after, um, like the interesting thing nowadays is because they went through a lot of changes. The family, like some, some died, some got bought out. So there are no Gucci's in Gucci right now. Yeah. Like the, the family is completely out of the business, but the brand ended up under the Caring Group, which is a French fashion holding or fashion group that owns the Gucci brand, the head of which is married to Salma Hayek. One of the things that the movie does talk about is that Maurizio Gucci actually started the transition and the modernization. And you do see a brief scene towards the end where he hires Tom Ford, which is credited as being the creative spark behind the, let's say, transformation that Gucci underwent. And it's now a household name. But anyway, interesting story. Interesting to see. I really don't know what had happened, but it makes me think that fashion is such a dangerous thing. Like, I didn't know that it could be because Maurizio Gucci got murdered end of the 90s, I believe. Gianni Versace was also murdered in Miami. So, and I think they made a movie about that one as well. A documentary, no? Could be. Maybe. I haven't watched it. I haven't seen either. Yeah, no, like if if you want to get into fashion, just be careful, like hire a bodyguard because you are probably going to get shot at. Cool, cool story. The highlight, I agree, seeing Italy like in the 80s and 90s when we were growing up. You know what it was for me? It was like the license plates. You remember the, yes. the black ones with the with red, the with the, the orange. Yeah, with the orange name. That was like, oh, that was so nostalgic. And the cars, like they had like very period accurate cars. And yeah, everything. The costumes were fantastic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, it kind of makes me want to be a little bit more fashionable, but then sweatpants are like so comfortable. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like in between those two is like, wow, I really want to be like, I want to wear a suit and I want to do this. And then for instance, now I was uh, attending a, a wedding and I couldn't wait to get out of my suit. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm a very troubled person. Moving on. I didn't only watch a movie. I also played a video game. I'm so busy, Whoa. man. <laughs> <laughs> I recently finished, and I know I'm late to the party, I recently finished Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the third game in the rebooted Tomb Raider franchise, which came out 2018, okay. but I had gotten it like in a PlayStation Plus offer or whatever it was. I played the beginning of it, then I got bored, and then recently I picked it up and finished it. Tomb Raider, if you know, it's that 
iconic game from the mid-90s. Iconic in the sense that they introduced the character of Lara Croft, which at the time was not a popular decision to have a woman as the main character. Basically, the game is a third-person action-adventure, puzzle-solving, shooting kind of game. The first two games, I really like the first one, called Tomb Raider, came out in 2013, I want to say. And I, like, devoured that. Like, I did every side mission, I 100% it. And then they came out with a second one, which is Rise of the Tomb Raider, which was basically quick time events. And that was it. It was pretty boring. Like the mechanics got old pretty quickly. And then this one, I think it kind of reigns that in and it takes that out. There aren't almost any quick time events. So what the game is about, I have no idea because the plot is so boring. She goes to Peru and has to help a tribe or something. I really have no idea. I skipped every cutscene because it was like really, really boring. And there's a lot of talking, which I don't know. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate games with a prominent plot, but it has to be interesting. Otherwise, it's useless. Uh, it's just a waste of time. Overall, I think it's a really good game. I had fun once I got into it. Like I said, it's a mix of there's action. So it's a kind of like a shooter game. There's some exploration, so there's a lot of side missions that you can do. There's um, secret tombs that you can find and then raid. There's some puzzles, like some are pretty fun. Others are just either impossibly hard or I'm impossibly stupid. At the same time, it like it's got a bit of everything, but it doesn't excel at anything. For instance, it reminded me of the Uncharted series, but those have a lot more character and the plot is actually compelling. You want to know what happens next in this one like you just follow whatever mission you have to do and you do it the exploration reminded me a little bit of breath of the wild but breath of the wild is infinitely bigger and infinitely more fun and the puzzles also kind of reminded me of uh, uncharted it didn't have the same magic but if you like to let's say waste a lot of time and doing all the side missions there's plenty of content the game lasts quite a long time. The only thing is that Lara Croft is really annoying. Like, I really can't stand, I just can't stand her voice. My little confession is that I have never played a Tomb Raider game. Not even the old ones? Not even the old ones. I never had a PlayStation. I was always either PC or Nintendo, and I know it was yeah. out for PC, but I never had one. I never had the game, sorry. I obviously had a PC. I do actually own the Tomb Raider from 2013. I got it free somewhere along the line. But yeah. it came at an awkward point where the laptop I had at the time couldn't play it. And then I had to yeah. travel for work. I was in Australia for a bit and I only had a Mac and it didn't work on the Mac. And I just never got to play it. I did, however, watch the movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those masterpieces. Okay. Fun fact, though, talking about reboots. So there was the original, was it Trilogy? At least, I know it was definitely two films with um, Angelina Jolie in the early 2000s. Yeah, I don't know how many it was, but yeah. yeah. I, and then on. they rebooted it not long ago with that Swedish actress whose name I have forgotten, something Vikander or whatever. Oh yeah, Alicia Vikander. Yeah, so they had planned on doing a trilogy. Okay. But they only did the one, and then MGM went bust. Yeah. Apparently they didn't greenlight the second movie in time so the rights to tomb raider have gone back to the owner a guy called graham king and gk films so they're now okay. planning another reboot and the oh, rights nice. are up for auction okay <laughs> okay 
I thought that was quite interesting. So I am aware of the games and I know they're culturally and historically very important in the yeah. gaming world. I've just never played it. I think I played either the first first one or the second one back in the day because I got it on the computer, but I never really bought them. I got them through different means. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> But I don't know, I, I, I remember that I, I kept dying on this one level because, like, there was a tiger or something. Because at the beginning, like, I think the first one, the enemies were always animals. Yeah. Well, this one, there's mostly people. But yeah, and they were good, but that's it. Or maybe my computer couldn't run them properly. I can't remember why I never stuck with them. Yeah, when the game came out, it was revolutionary. One, because it was a woman. And then two, because... It was 3D at the dawn of the 3D era, and there was action, and there was adventure, and there was puzzles, so there was a bit of everything. It was quite entertaining, and I think they're trying to keep that magic in this trilogy, and I guess for the most part they did. I mean, the games are pretty entertaining. The plot is just so boring. <laughs> I really, I genuinely don't know what the third game is about, because you always follow the marker for the next mission, so you just go and follow missions. The side missions are all right. Some some are pretty fun, but for the most part, they're fetch quests or they're like in this village, there are five frog statues. Find them and destroy them, which is really boring if you think yeah. about it. It's also like the low hanging fruit. It's not that interesting. Exactly. And it's you know that it's been made to extend the game. I'm reading that there is allegedly yet another game being developed where they will unify the timelines. So take all of the timelines and unify them in some way. But whatever. It's fine. If you find it in the used games bin or on some Steam sale or Amazon gives it away for free, I think you should play it. But I don't know if I would actually spend much money on it. Okay. And talking about what you would and wouldn't spend money on, Marco, how was your beer? My beer is the St. Bernardus Tokyo, and it is a white beer with 6% alcohol. So I'm pretty happy right now. It's good. It's like very smooth. I can see myself drinking a few of these. I wish it was colder, but I guess my I didn't put it long enough in the fridge. Yeah, it's a little bit fruity, but again, most of all, I find it really, really smooth. So I actually really like it. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of six. And I saw that their brewery, so like it's somewhere in Belgium, they have a like a hotel with a restaurant. Next time you're you're around this part of the world, I think we should go. Okay. What about yours? Your beer from the 1300s. <laughs> I have to admit, okay, I'm just going to come out and say it, that this beer is really, really, really good. They've had, what, seven, eight hundred years to perfect the recipe and they have perfected it. <laughs> yeah, well, it better be, you know. Yeah, exactly. So the crazy thing is, I know it was a gift and so I don't want to say it's cheap, but these aren't expensive bottles of beer. Yes, it's an independent brewery, Yeah, but these beers aren't particularly expensive, yet they are incredibly good. And this is as good a lager beer you will find anywhere. This is what, I guess, other beers aspire to be. It is incredibly light, crispy, just the right amount of effervescence, fruity on the palate. It's a really good beer. So you really can't go wrong. I can see why it's considered pillar of the history of beer. 
It's good. It's very, very, very crisp. I would give this comfortably a 5.5 out of the six pack. You could drink Whoa. this and be happy all day long. Wow. All right. So today we talked a little bit about Samsung's unpacked event and the new fold and flip phones, as well as what else is there if you want the foldable? Answer is nothing. We recently watched The House of Gucci, which is all right. And it takes us back to a time where we were children and didn't have any responsibilities. So life was great. And I recently played Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is all right, but not great. What is great is our next episode, which we haven't recorded yet, but we hope it's going to be great. So stay tuned for that. And on that note, Des, I will speak to you next time. See you next time, guys. Sweatpants are like so comfortable.